0: It is great to be here. It is an honor and a privilege to once again be on this stage. Uh, My name is Carlos. Like it was mentioned, I'm a pastor up in Waukegan uh, at Journey Church. And and we have had a long history together. Christ Church was actually one of the very first churches to come alongside Journey in this dream of launching a church up in Waukegan. So for many years, over a decade, there's been a great partnership. Uh, And Mike has been a great, great mentor of mine. He's taken lots of time to just pour love and wisdom into my life. Uh, And I've also uh, just been here so many times that I feel uh, a great love for the team, a great love for the church. And it's amazing how even in ways that I didn't even know that we're partnering with. Uh, As you know, there was an earthquake in Mexico not long ago, and our church has a connection with a church down there. So we decided to actually partner together with three other churches and send three different teams and raise money not to send those people, uh, but to raise money to actually build 25 homes for people that completely lost everything. And we didn't want to just send the money with the connection. We actually wanted to send teams of people Uh, to say we're here with resources, but we're also here to love you And we're here to pray for you, and we're here to just pour uh, love and support on you. And uh, in the midst of that, uh, I didn't even know, but in in all the funds that came in and the support that came in, uh, Christ Church was a part of that. I didn't even ask, so I don't know how the connection happened. But it was a beautiful thing to know that in many of our doers, you guys are part of that. So I want to thank you for your generosity, for your love, and also for allowing your leadership to do what they do, and that is to empower other churches within this community. You know, with that being said about uh, the earthquake in Mexico, I, I want to start out by just giving an example of what I learned from there. I was born in Costa Rica, which is very different than Mexico. I have been to Mexico, uh, but only like to the touristy places. Uh, this time I went to the real Mexico. Uh, where there's a lot of poverty. And when we got there, uh, we saw that the earthquake had knocked down homes completely. There was just nothing but rubble left. A lot of these homes were actually made out of mud brick, and other ones were made out of cement brick. And yet they were both completely tore apart. And and I couldn't understand why some mud homes withstood the earthquake and why some didn't. So in speaking with the people there, as we got there and we wanted to help and we wanted to do part of the construction, but we really had no idea what we were doing. And, and the people were like, you guys are really nice coming to help us, but, you know, we, we could tell you guys work in offices, don't you? We're like, yeah, we do. <laughs> and uh, so, so, so what they had us do was actually dig holes. And man, it was hard work. We're like digging all day long, all day long. And, and you know, we, we, we don't want to be like taking breaks and stuff because these people were working twice as hard as us. Three times faster than us. But in the midst of all this hole digging, um, I, I, I was taught something extremely important. And that is that those homes that actually fell were not because they were made of mud or because they were made of brick. They actually fell because none of those homes actually had a foundation. They just laid some cement and built upon it. But those homes that actually had a solid foundation, it didn't matter if they only had mud as walls. It withstood the earthquake. And I thought it was a perfect example of this series that you're in the middle of, The Way Forward. And The Way Forward requires for us to do the hard work of building a solid foundation. As you have been learning, there's nothing that we can really do to fix ourselves. But there are some things that we can do, right? We can dig a hole in our soul to allow the Holy Spirit to dwell there so he can be the one that transforms. us. But there is some work on our part to do. We have to create that space so that God can do what only he can do. It is our work, right? The scripture says that we should work out our salvation. It doesn't say that we should work for our salvation. That's settled at the cross. But it does say that we need to work out. There's some aspect of work that we need to do. And part of that work is creating space for God to do what only he can do within our souls to transform us to be the people that he's called us to be. So in this series, you, you, you're trying to lay a foundation. You've already looked at confession. You've already looked at obedience. You're going to be looking at sacrifice and courage and prayer and all these things. And, and, and I was given the hardest topic of them all for this series. I was given rest. Now, why is rest the hardest topic of all these? Well, here's why. Because you can be completely against everything that God says about rest in his word and you don't feel guilty about it in fact you can be completely against everything scripture tells us about rest and about having a rhythm of work and rest and you're actually proud that you don't rest that's just our culture that's just reality you know, like I said, I'm not from here, from this area. I was born in Costa Rica. I was raised in Florida, spent a long time in California. Then I moved here, which was a shock because I moved in the middle of winter. And and I started learning some very interesting things about cold weather and snow. Uh, so, you know, in the Midwest, I've never lived anywhere where you could drive stretches for a while and not see houses together. I've always lived in cities. And it was just interesting to see that if you go out Anywhere really outside Chicagoland, there's just a lot of open land. And then there's homes with the barn in the back. And and I've actually learned that there a lot of people put behind their house, there's a barn, and they put a rope between their house and the barn. Because when a blizzard comes, you can't see. So even though the barn may be pretty close to your house, you can't see it. And actually people have died trying to get to the barn or trying to get back because it's completely white out. And people have died just feet away from the door because they've lost their way. So what they do is they put a rope and they hang on to the rope and the rope takes them to the barn and the rope brings them back home. See, we need a rope to lead us back home. And God is offering us a rope so that we don't get lost in the midst of what culture tells us how we ought to live. And this rope consistently leads us back to the heart of God and to his ways, a place where we can be deeply rooted and centered. This rope can be found in several ancient biblical disciplines, going back thousands of years. And when plays inside present-day Christianity in the 21st century in the Western world, rest is groundbreaking and countercultural. It goes against everything that our Western culture teaches us. Rest, specifically a day of rest, which the Bible calls the Sabbath, is extremely countercultural. See, this is a powerful declaration about God, ourselves, our relationships, our values, and our beliefs. Rest, specifically a day of rest, the Sabbath, is a rope that leads us back to God in the blizzards of life. But I got to tell you, rest is hard work. In fact, and it's not just for us. Take a look at what Isaiah 30:15 says. This is very powerful and it always speaks to my heart. It says, "This is what the sovereign Lord, the holy one of Israel, says. In repentance and rest is your salvation." In repentance and rest. And repentance doesn't mean that you just feel sorry for your sins. Repentance actually means a different way of thinking. It it means change the way that you think. So changing the way that you think and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. But you would have none of it. Wow. Our salvation is in rest? Really? I can't tell you how true this statement is. Now, I don't think that this statement is talking about our eternal salvation. In a great way, I think it's talking about our, our salvation from ourselves, right? Now, let me be upfront because I have a hard time living out rest. I do. See, when I rest, many times I feel lazy. I feel like I'm wasting my time. I, I feel like I could be accomplishing something, like I could be moving things forward. Yet, as I look at my life, the worst mistakes that I've done in my life, the worst sins that I've done in my life, I have committed while I have been overworked, super tired, without a healthy rhythm of work and rest. As we look at scripture, God has a lot, surprisingly a lot to say about rest. In fact, is in the top ten commandments. I mean... There are over 600 commandments in the Old Testament. And rest made it in the top 10. And you would think if it made it in the top 10, it's got to be like number 10, right? Like it was supposed to be 11 and somehow, some way it creeped into 10. But it's not. If you take a look at Exodus 20, which it unpacks when when, when God gives Israel the 10 commandments, it's actually at the very top. It's actually number four. It's given before, do not kill, do not lie, do not steal, do not covet. It is extremely, extremely important to God. This was Exodus 28 says. It says, remember to keep the Sabbath holy. Now, what does that mean? Does that mean that it's got to be holy so you can only listen to Christian music on the Sabbath? Uh, You can only watch Christian TV or movies? No, no, no. Holy means it's set aside. That means the Sabbath is not like every other day. It is to be set aside for a specific purpose of rest. Now, I know that some of you are already thinking, come on, there is no possible way you're telling me i got to take a day off. Right? That's just unrealistic for our culture. You're only saying that because you're a preacher and you only work on Sundays. <laughs> yet, yet, God gave the Ten Commandments to the Israelites, right, when they were just coming out of 400 years of slavery, their whole identity was based on work, on producing. This was a society that if you didn't work, you didn't eat. Yet God was saying, your identity does not come from your business. Your identity does not come from what you can produce. Your identity comes from acknowledging who I am And the only way that you can acknowledge who I am is if you create enough space in your soul, in your mind, and in your schedule to allow me to be God. Not just God of the universe, but God to you. In essence, God is saying, if you do things my way, you can do more in six days than your way in seven. It's the same concept with tithing. God says you can do more with 90 with me in it than 100% your way. See, we need to constantly go back to what Scripture tells us. Our ways are not His ways, and our thoughts are not His thoughts. Now we all know that we need rest. We just know that, right? When we when when, when we're not rested, we're short, we're cranky, we lack patience, we lack sympathy. Please don't elbow your your spouse. We, this happens to all of us, okay? <laughs> When we're short, we're just, we, 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 we don't give the best of who we are. When we're tired, our kids don't get the best of who we are. When we're tired, we're not creative. We need space for our minds and our souls to wonder. We need to not only do, but sometimes we need to just be. But Man, it's hard work. Rest is hard work. It goes against everything that culture tells us. Most of us would love to spend more time and invest more time in the things that this series is talking about, right? We, we want to serve, and we want to be obedient, and, and, and we want to pray, and we want to read Scripture, and we want to do life with others. But, but if truth were to be told, if God just said, you know what, poof, your day has now 25 hours every day. I just gave you an extra hour. There you go. Most likely, we will not use that extra hour to do the things that build a solid foundation for our life, much less rest. It's very unlikely that most of us would do that. I mean, if you just take a look at the last day that you had an unexpected day off, you thought you were going to work and boom, all of a sudden you have a day off. Most likely, you didn't spend eight glorious hours in God's presence. Most likely what you did is you ran errands, you caught up on chores, right? you worked ahead, you caught up on emails, you did all this work because now you have this extra space. Our culture tells us to live a marginalist life. But the good things in life happen in the margins where there's white space for the divine to happen. See, it's a little bit like this. I don't know if you ever owned a car that was out of alignment. When I was a teenager, I had one, and you had to, like, fight with it because it would pull to the left. So it could pull into a different lane, or it could just pull into the lane coming towards you, right? So constantly, you had to, like, fight it. You constantly had to pull, right? It constantly wanted to be off-centered. Where all of us are out of alignment by nature with God. By nature, we are sinners, and we pull away from God and his ways, and towards culture. And yet rest is extremely spiritual. I mean, God created us this way. God created us to rest. We even see God resting. He doesn't need to rest, and yet he rests. And somehow, way, he rested, but we can't. So we need to pause and take a look at that. Take a look at Genesis 2.2. 2. It says, by the seventh day, God had finished the work. Have been doing. In other words, God is not against work. He's saying work. He worked, right? Work is good for us. We need to work hard. But then it says, So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work, except email. No. It says he, he rested from all his work. Not, not not most of it, you know. Not not just in the morning. It says he rested from all his work. See, God created us to rest. I mean, let me just think about this, right? So I struggle with this. God created us to be asleep a third of our lives, a third of our lives. There's 24 hours in a day and we need eight hours to sleep. Why would God do that? Sometimes I think, God, if you would have made us to only sleep three or four hours a day, we could get so much more done. We will be so much productive. Why, why make us sleep eight hours, God? Because it's Ways are different than our ways, and his thoughts are different than our thoughts. This is what Ephesians 5, 15 through 17 says. It says, be careful, be very careful in how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. In other words, he's saying be very careful. You need to understand that there's a pull away from the important things to the less important things. Uh, 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 it's saying be very, very careful because the default is, is not living in wisdom, but default is living in foolishness. It says be, be, be very careful what you say yes to and what you say no to. Because our culture constantly pulls us off center to a marginalist life. Verse 16 goes on. It says, making, it says be careful, be careful, right? Making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Be very careful. See, I, I think that a lot of us don't even know what God's will is for many areas of our lives because we're so busy that we don't hear God's voice. And we just take scripture and we just use that as a moral compass. And we make the decisions that we want to do as long as we feel that we're not Messing something up in here. But God saying, no, 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 I have a different way for you to live. I have put the spirit that raised Christ from the dead inside of you to guide you, to lead you, to speak to you. Now, I've said all this about taking a day of rest. So now you may be wondering, well, when, when does this happen? Well, traditionally Jewish Sabbath begins on sundown Friday to sundown Saturday. In the early church, they practiced the Sabbath on Sunday, which was actually the Lord's day. We, we can see in Paul in, in, in Romans 14 that, that he pretty much makes a case that any day is the same. And what is important is that you set a time or a period and that you protect it. So let me give you four qualities to distinguish between simply a day off and a Sabbath. Sabbath is, the, is first and foremost a day of stopping. It's a day of stopping, right? It, in fact, the word stop is actually literally built into the Hebrew meaning of Sabbath. But most of us can't stop. Most of us have projects that we just can't leave hanging. Most of us need to finish all, returning all emails, returning all texts before we actually stop. We need to clean the house. We need to do all these things before we actually stop. There's always more to do before stopping. But stopping says, God, you are God and I am not. You are God. I'm simply your creation. And the world will continue fine if I stop. Every Sabbath reminds us of what Psalms 46.10 says, which is to be still and to know That he is God. Listen, we can't be still and know that he is God in the midst of our busyness. The core spiritual issue in stopping revolves around trust. That we trust that God is in control, that we trust that God is sovereign, that we trust that if he's asking us to stop, that he will take care of things when we stop. So once we stop, number one, leads us to the second thing which is that we actually rest. We already saw that God rested, right? We saw that in Genesis chapter 2. So what do do we do to replace our busyness? What do we do to replace all the things that we do? The answer is pretty simple. Do whatever brings you delight and whatever replenishes you, whatever is life given to you. Napping, working out, going for long walks, run. Reading a novel, watching a good movie, going out for dinner. And what do you rest from? This is the important part. What what are we called to rest from then? Work, hurriedness, busyness, worrying, catching up on errands, and most importantly for our culture, cell phones, computers, tablets. So we stop, we rest. The third thing is that we delight. God, after finishing all his creation, after working for six days, this is what he said in Genesis one thirty-one. He said that it was very good. See, God delighted over his creation. He delighted over the work that he did. Now, I, I got to be honest with you. I'm a church planter, and I'm a leader, and I'm always thinking not where I'm at, but where we need to be. I don't know if that happens to you, but for me, it's so hard to be in the moment and to be fully present because, yes, I'm glad that we got here, but we have so much more to go. I'm always, always constantly thinking where we need to be. In fact, this morning as we're sitting here, I'm worshiping God and whatever, and I'm thinking over and over and over how we're going to hire this next person, right, to be on staff. And I'm working out the numbers in my mind. and and, And I'm supposed to be worshiping. And I have to consciously stop. just Be thankful to be here to just be fully present, to worship God. It's so hard in our culture, and that's why God gives us this rhythm of work and rest. Work and rest. The the Hebrew phrase here communicates a sense of joy. When, 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 When God completed the work and he said it was very good, there was a sense of joy, a sense of contemplation, a sense of wonder, a sense of play. But many of us, we have a hard time being thankful for where we're at because we know that we need to be somewhere else. And once we get there, we're more concerned about where else we need to be instead of being right there. On the Sabbath, we're called to enjoy and delight and creation, and his gifts. We're to slow down and pay attention to our food and smell and and the taste and the richness of what we're eating, right? We're we're called to to, to pause and to look at the beauty of a tree, of a leaf, of the sky that was carefully created for us. I, I don't know about you, but I'm always on the go. And so I, I go somewhere, and I wash my hands, and I don't fully, like, dry them, you know, because it takes too long. So I just, and then, you know, it's, and, then, and then you go, right? But the Sabbath teaches me, like, and then I'm ready to go. I'm like, no, no, stay four extra seconds and let your hands be fully dry. There's no rush in the Sabbath. You got nowhere to go that is urgent, It's like God has built in a rhythm that we work hard, but we don't allow work to define us. Because in our culture, regardless of what we do, for many of us, what we do defines who we are. And God is saying no. Work is a blessing, but it's not to define you you being in me defines you the final thing the difference between a day off and a sabbath is of course contemplation on god being rooted back to jesus exodus 31:15 says for 6 days work is to be done again God is for work. God wants us to work hard. God wants us to be involved and to do things and be productive. God God is all for that, but with a rhythm. It says, for six days, work is to be done. But the seventh day is a Sabbath of rest, holy to the Lord. See, pondering the love of God remains the central focus of the Sabbath. As we're stopping and resting and delighting, we need to prepare in advance for our Sabbath if this to be a reality, right? I, I don't know if you've ever tried to eat healthy, right? Like you're in this binge in which you know you're not eating good and you're eating all this carbs and all this sugar. And all of a sudden you're like, okay, I got to get it together. And then, and then you want to eat right and then you have a plan in your head. The problem is that if you're trying to eat right when you don't have a rhythm of eating right, that you can't wait until you're hungry to make a good decision. Because that's it. If you wait till you're hungry, you're going to eat whatever, You have to prepare in advance. So when you get hungry, you've already made that choice. Same way with the Sabbath. And that's why we see in Scripture that the Jewish people traditionally had a day of preparation for the Sabbath. Sabbath is like receiving a gift of a heavy snow day. Now that I live here, I can understand that, right? A heavy snow day every week. Stores are closed, roads are impossible. Suddenly, you have a gift of a day to do whatever you want. You don't have obligations. You don't have pressures. You don't have responsibilities. You have permission to be with friends, to take a nap, to read a good book. But see, the reality is very few of us would ever give ourselves a no-obligation day. In fact, just thinking about it makes us feel guilty. Yet God gives you one every day. Seven days, but this is so hard. Why is this hard? Well, let me tell you how use a usual conversation with people go. Hey, how are you doing? How's it going? Oh, I'm super busy. Things are great, right? Oh, so how are you doing? Oh, I'm super busy. God is good. Haven't seen my kids. But I'm busy and I feel good. Now, people don't say that, but that's the reality. I was to ask, I've never had anybody, I, hey, so how are you doing? Nobody's ever said, you know what, I'm not, I'm not doing much. Why? Because if you say that in our culture, we're all like, loser, what do you mean you ain't got nothing going on? What? That is, we would never say that. That's why we're important, people always get introduced, right? Oh, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule. Why are you, you're important, therefore you must be busy. I remember somebody was introduced that when He said, no, I'm not busy. I have rhythms. Everybody was like, what the heck is this guy talking about? Take it easy, man. Just, we're introducing you, okay? <laughs> but it goes against everything that we know. It goes against everything that culture tells us. What we have to understand is that busyness does not equal productivity. There are so many people busy doing useless things. Busyness does not equal importance. Busyness does not equal meaning. In fact, I would argue all day long that so many people are being robbed of a life of meaning. Not because they're not committed, but because they are overcommitted. Overcommitted. That's why I want to challenge you. I want to dare you. I want to beg you to have the courage, to have the trust, and to have the faith to rest. Because to rest requires all three, courage, trust, and faith. Listen, I will go so far as to say that if you're too busy to rest, you're doing way more than God is asking you to do. And therefore, you're missing out on becoming the person that God is shaping you to be because you're just too busy. Culture constantly drives us to a marginalist life. But the good things in life happen in the margins. The way forward requires rest. Now more than ever, and our declaration to make this a priority in our rhythm of life speaks of our values, speaks of our understanding of who we are, but most importantly, speaks to the understanding of who God is and that we're not he. Let's pray. Heavenly gracious Father, we come before you knowing that it is hard for us to even wrap our minds around the concept that you've created us to rest. But Holy Spirit, we give you permission to mess with our minds and to mess with our heads. We give you permission to speak through your holy word all the things that you have to say about a rhythm of life, of hard and joyful work, but of rest as well. We know that our thoughts are not your thoughts and our ways are not your ways. But you also tell us that you are renewing our minds and giving us the mind of Christ. We know that Jesus modeled rest and a healthy rhythm of work and Sabbath. And we want to follow in his steps. We are your disciples. And we are called to be like you. And we know that we don't have the power to transform ourselves. But we have the power to say no to some things that we need to say no to. So that we can say yes to building a stronger foundation of who we are, of the people that we are becoming, ultimately for your glory and for your honor. In Jesus' name, amen.